Bye. Hey, everyone. This is Holly. This is Daniel. And you're listening to Halfway Saints, episode 14. Back again. Still doing it. Yeah. What? 14 is a good number. <laughs> it is. Tell me why. Well, my birthday was May 14th. That's right. Just a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. And your birthday is September 14th. That's true. Mm-hmm. And, so, oh. What? I was going to say we're in year 2014. <laughs> <laughs> we were. So last year that would have been cool. But I, And we thought that Jack was going to be due on June, or that he was going to be born on June 14th. Well, we thought there was like two weeks of days we thought he was going to be born, but yeah, he tricked us and was born 10 days after his due date, so. 12 days. He was a week and five days late. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it, okay. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's another podcast. Yes. We should do one. Your birth story. No. 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 TLC covers... The Gurdon's birth story. Just kidding. Is that a show? I mean... Yeah, it's called A Birth Story. Oh. I, I was thought you were joking. referencing that. No. I don't watch TLC. I mean, it's been on since we were, like, 13. I definitely wasn't watching A Birth Story <laughs> when I was 13. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> well, but it was my birthday this week. It was? And it was super fun. It was the same week as Mother's Day, so it was my first Mother's Day, which we talked about last Mm -hmm. week, I just realized. But we rolled, we kept the celebration going for Holly's birthday. We did. And it was Ascension Thursday. It was Ascension Thursday in most dioceses. Well, I don't know if most, in our diocese. Yeah, a lot of people celebrated it on today, Sunday. If you're in one of those slacker dioceses, to Sunday, just kidding. Um, But yeah, so big week. It was a big week, and then we celebrated on Friday. Daniel had a half day off work. It was a, it was a great week. It was a good week. Good start mm-hmm. to the summer. Yeah, because that's where Daniel had half day Friday. Yeah, at my work we get half day Fridays during the summer, which is really great. Which is awesome. It's pretty much a four-day week. Because, I mean, yeah, what do you three really hours of work. do? Yeah, you can. And for me, it's just like, oh, it's one nap time, and then Daniel's home. Mm-hmm. Done. Yeah. So we'll have to have lots of fun things planned for the summer. We should oh, we plan do. some fun things. We do, but we should. We have ideas, nothing planned. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yep. But so we're ready to go, ready to podcast. We are, and yeah. I. Oh. Go no. Oh. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna say? I've been thinking a lot, um, especially with how. Things have changed since Jack has arrived. and um, Like everything has changed. <laughs> yes. Um, but just that how our experience with the Mass has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for me, my idea of the Mass is like so much different than what I originally thought. Because in case you're just coming into this, um, or into us. By the way, welcome to anyone um, who's a new, new. listener. Who's, um, if you're coming from another, if you heard about us on another podcast, mm-hmm. welcome. Yes, we're glad you're here. Glad, glad everyone's here. <laughs> Just happy to be here, folks. <laughs> um, but in case this is your first episode or first time listening to us, um, I'm a convert from Lutheran slash non-denominational. Nom- <laughs> <laughs> it was a very small offshoot. Non-denominational evangelical protestantism um and so the church that i was coming from before i was introduced to the mass 
uh, which was pretty much the only church that I had been to since, like, childhood, um, was this church that was, like, out of an old theater, and it was, like, um, there was a band, there were a lot of lights, there was definitely smoke. Like, like a smoke machine. Yeah, like a smoke machine. Um, and there were screens on either side with the lyrics to the songs that the band was playing, and really good graphic design, because it was, like, you know, in an art school town, so, um... You know, gra- I remember really liking the graphic design to all of the slides, but um, that's where I was coming from when Daniel was like, "Oh, do you want to come to mass with me?" And I was like, "Okay, sure." And um, and I went, and I was like, "What is this? One, this is really boring. Two, this seems like nobody planned it. That like, no, like they're just." I was used to things going like bang, 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 no problem. Like mm-hmm. like no, one thing following another. No yeah. dead t- no dead, dead space. Mm-hmm. So it felt like it was like not planned, but at the same time felt like too planned. Like I remember thinking like they that nobody was letting any room for the spirit to move. Mm-hmm. Um, Boy, church just couldn't win with you. Uh, I mean, <laughs> just, was just not a, planned enough, too planned. It was a lot. Do you remember the first time you went to mass? I'm trying really? to think of when that would be. It wasn't at school with me, was it? It's possible. I don't remember. I don't know. I don't know either. I think it was in in our hometown. Yeah. I don't know. When I don't that, know. I don't know when that would have been. Me neither. My guess would have been the first time you visited me at college, because that's when I started, started going, going back, back to mass. That'd be my my guess. Unless you'd been to one with one of your friends growing up. I mean, I had. Right. No, I had. I didn't. No. Uh-uh. I'm sorry, guys. We don't. Sorry. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll reminisce on our own time. But I do remember the emotions that I was having about it. Um, because I was going, it wasn't like, I don't think I just went just once. And that was like the first time. I was like, I went to a couple and so I had, like, a, a full experience of them to base my ideas off of them. Um, but I also, like, it made me uncomfortable, the mass did, because of the fact that, like, things were not, like, right after the other. And um, everything wasn't at all moments since you walk in the church was not filled mm-hmm. with something or some kind of sensory experience, from my understanding of a sensory experience. Um, it made me uncomfortable because there was just, like, dead space. And I was like, what is this? Like, this is strange. And I wasn't used to having silence in a sacred space Mm. or in that, like, reverence that was going on there. And so it made me really uncomfortable because I wasn't used to having that time for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember being not only, like, with... um, Sorry, I'm going to start that sentence over. <laughs> okay, do over. Take a mulligan. Um, when I was going to church before ever coming to Mass, I was always concerned, like, with how it, how does this relate to me? Do they speak my language? Is this what I want to hear? And how is it moving me? Like, did I feel, did I really feel God today at church? Mm-hmm. Did I really feel him when they sang this really powerful song and, like, 
did I want to stand up? Did I want, like, and I remember, like, I never really feel the call to stand up. Does that mean that I don't really feel it? Like, does that mean that the spirit's not in me? Does that mean all these different things? And I was just always really concerned with, like, what is this service doing to me or Mm -hmm. for me? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until much later after going to mass with you for a while and probably, like, after I was going through RCIA that I understood that the mass is not for me. Mm-hmm. It is not for something to affect me. I mean, it is for me and that it, like, touches me, mm-hmm. but its purpose is for God. Right. It's an act of sacrifice for and through Christ that we are allowed to participate in. It's not right. sort of, like, what it... It's not about us. It's about Christ. Exactly. Yeah. And I remember... So you had moved up here to... Philadelphia mm-hmm. and I was still um at school but I was like up here visiting or like something and you took me to a church in uh like Mandy Young mm-hmm. and it was um I can't remember which parish it was but I remember walking in and like I didn't really love I, w- I was still like not really into mass even though I was into becoming Catholic which is mm-hmm. weird but and it should be so if you're if you're not from the northeast not familiar with sort of Philadelphia is a very Catholic area. Um, in the neighborhood where I first lived in, when I moved up here, there was literally five Catholic churches within walking distance of where I lived. Um, and it's just kind of, it can be a very sort of routine experience at mass at some places. Like a, yeah, you look like you're disagreeing with me. Well, cause I was like, what? I wasn't saying anything that made you have to say that. Well, because but... you're, you were going from, the you've been going to mass with me at a college college yeah campus ministry center that was like live like you up here you could walk into mass with a bunch of uh older people and that's it yes yeah i was okay. just trying to make i was just no. trying to be relevant i'm no. sorry <laughs> no it's fine um so the mass up here is a little different than in georgia at a college right so even more so, I was really excited when I walked into this parish and I saw that they had screens up on either side of the, um, I don't know what those are called, the aisles. On either side of the church, they had like screens with lyrics to the hymns up on the screens. And I was like, they get it. They totally get it. They have screens. Like I'm on board with this and like thought that them having screens meant that um, they totally get everything right. just because that's what my experience was. Like, oh, if they have screens, they get it. But that makes zero sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But they did have screens. <laughs> they did have screens. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I just remember thinking like, oh, this is great. They have screens. I can sing along and. Uh, this could be like the same kind of experience, but then it, I mean, obviously it was still a mess, but, um, it just goes to show how flawed my view was, but all that to say is that, um, my experience now with mass is so much better. Do you remember if there was like, like what helped you to kind of understand more about what the mass was and how it was supposed to be? Um, was just going through rcia or going to mass more often or going to mass more often often and asking questions to you 
like um, understanding certain part. I don't want to like get into like certain parts of the mass, mm-hmm. but like I remember the in between the lecture reading and then going to sit down and then the gospel read like that happening or like some kind of transition. It just took a long time for people to walk from one place to the lectern mm-hmm. and me being like, oh my gosh, that takes forever. And you're like, let's, or no, it was actually, we're asking after the homily, the priest goes and sits down and just like sits for a while. I was like, what is this time for? And you're like, you're probably supposed to be, you know, uh, contemplating the homily, spending time in prayer, just like, you know, preparing yourself and um, under or letting yourself understand what just what you just heard um and i was like oh so that time is for something it's not just dead space so it was just me like walking through i guess with you and and asking you questions questions and learning what all these things were for because Mm -hmm. what might have seemed to me like uh not being planned or whatever it all does serve a purpose right especially to like um uh, oh my gosh, I completely forgot what I was just about to say. <laughs> you said it all serves a purpose. I know, I, I know oh, exactly you're what just, I said. <laughs> I no idea what I was going. I mean, let me guess. I think you were going to say that you learned that all of these actions build toward the the Eucharist and, like, the re-presentation of the sacrifice at Calvary. So, like, hearing the word, spending time with the word, letting it kind of seep into you and grow into you, um... And coming from the Old Testament, a psalm, a New Testament reading in the gospel, like walking through salvation history like that up to Calvary, ending with Christ on the cross. And there's periods for reflection and contemplation along the way. It's like a an ascension up to the cross. Like everything kind of is like a step up, mm-hmm. each way up to it. Yeah, I think, yes. I think, like, learning through the Lanky guys and listening to that mm-hmm. podcast so much in the past couple years and learning more about how the Mass is structured through the readings, mm-hmm. the Old Testament points to, or, like, the responsorial psalm is in response to the Old Testament reading mm-hmm. and the first reading, like, how all of it kind of connects and has, like, an, an, a message. Um, I think... Learning that has taught me that it's going toward Christ right. in the Eucharist, and just like knowing more about what is going on, like oh, that's what this is. Yeah. Because if you're if you don't know what's going on, then yeah. it's kind of hard to really allow yourself to be to enter into that. Totally, and it's still like until a couple years ago. I mean, everything is a couple years ago because I became Catholic a couple years ago. Mm, almost four years ago. Yes. Yeah, um, four years ago now at Easter. Mm-hmm. But I, um, I, it's, the Eucharist is a mystery and it -hmm. it will always be a mystery, but I'm still understanding it even today. Right. But my understanding of it when I first became Catholic was so rudimentary. Like I did not understand it. That's the right way way to use the word. You don't have to be so hard on yourself though. (laughs) But like I didn't get it. I mean, it's fine. You don't have to get it to receive it. Yes. I mean, you have to understand understand what, yeah, you don't have to fully understand Eucharist, but you just have to know what it is. This is the body of Christ. Right, mm-hmm. which I did. But, like, um, and seeing that, may, I always think about, whenever I think about the Mass, like, okay, if we truly believe that this is the body and blood of Christ, 
wouldn't we do all of this? Right. And when you answer, or if you ask that question, the answer is yes. Yeah. Like, yes, we would kneel before it. Yes, we would have gold chalices to hold it. Mm-hmm. Yes, we would, um, like, rate, and even, um, I love that we, like, raise the gospel, but, like, mm-hmm. we hold it up high and, like, we reverence yeah. that. Whenever people are like, oh, Catholics don't, like, revere scripture, like, we give it a parade every Mass. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, just hold your horses. Right, right. Uh, but it also, when I remember when reading Scott Hahn in Rome Sweet Home talk about how he being such a big biblical scholar and seeing all of the pieces of biblical biblical history mm-hmm. or salvation history in the mass made me want to dig deeper into the mass and say like, Oh, well, where is that? Like, mm-hmm. what's, what is that referencing? I don't know. Yeah. You know, I do remember you asking me questions about like, why do we, what is this? What does that mean? Like, why do they ring those bells then? Yeah. Why do you ring it three times? Mm-hmm. Which three is the trending? Mm-hmm. Do everything in threes. Why not? I mean, why not? Threes or sevens. What do they do seven times? Seven sacraments. Right. Okay. <laughs> That's not just three or seven. No. Well, God does everything in threes or sevens. Not, I mean, okay. I, I, that's kind of a blanket statement. There, it is. There are other a numbers, 40, like 10. There are different Yeah, but numbers. three and seven is, three is a big one. Okay. Well, I agree. I'll, I'll <laughs> agree with you there. Three is a big one. Yeah. Do you actually know that when... Um, objects and things are incensed the number of times you incense it per like number swings number of swings mm-hmm. corresponds to what it is no so with like the eucharist you incense it three times and then three times you know you give it like three swings each time oh and then like it's there's different numbers for each thing like when the people are incensed it's like one each way that's cool yeah i, didn't I think know i might be getting those wrong but it does depend on what you're incensing Hmm. No, I did not. Well, there you go. Now there, you know. Now you know. Yeah, and I think um, for me as well, um, really understanding the mass better and appreciating it more has been something that's developed certainly since we've been married, mm-hmm. um, but definitely like since the time I started going back to mass in uh, probably what, five, six years ago. No, almost ten years ago. So started five or six. Well, was, oh no, ten. I always forget because I graduated undergrad twenty ten, but undergrad I graduated high school in two thousand six. Yes. So I was like, oh, since twenty ten, but no, it's actually two thousand six. So like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long time. Thanks. <laughs> um, but yeah, even for me, like understanding more of the mass and um, has helped me go grow to appreciate it and to. Um, to desire a more, a fuller mass experience. Um, like what I was mentioning earlier, which you gave me a look at, is that in the Northeast, in Philadelphia, you can have parishes where um, things are just very, I don't know what the right word is. Lackadaisical is not the right word, but things very seem very um, like everyday and commonplace. Yes. Like, and there um, have been times at mass where it's, you don't really get, not that the, people there aren't reverent or the priest isn't reverent but you don't get the sense of reverence that you do at other places that like you know not maybe not everyone genuflects or bows at the altar when they pass it or um you know the a priest isn't like i really love when a priest is sort of 
um, like gentle with the Eucharist after consecrating mm-hmm. it and like mm-hmm. places it down where, you know, so there were, there have been masses in different parishes where I've been where I don't get that sense mm-hmm. and learning more about the mass and what all the parts mean instilled a desire in me to really experience full and authentic um, mass. And this isn't, I'll just go and say this, it does, you know, the Eucharist is the Eucharist. If it's, yeah. uh, you know, if it's a valid um, celebration of the Eucharist, it's Jesus no matter what, no matter what's going on. I was know? just about to say, like, that's the beautiful thing about right. the Mass. And, yeah, it doesn't depend on the priest's state of mind. Like, he could be in a grumpy mood. He's still um, a priest of God and stands in the person of Christ when celebrating the Eucharist. So uh, just to get that out of the way, like, it doesn't matter where you go. It could be terrible parish, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still the Eucharist. You still receive the body of Christ, you still receive the graces that come from the sacrament. But that being said, it is much easier to get into the proper mindset and disposition if the surrounding elements um, Point you accurately reflect the reality of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And that's when you can, when God can more fully reveal himself to you is through the mass in uh, the fullest form. Mm-hmm. Because the isn't it, wasn't there a quote that you told me a long time ago from like St. Augustine or something that like if we under, if we understood everything that went on during Mass, our minds would explode from happiness? There's something like, I want to say it was St. Thomas Aquinas, but like if, it's like if we truly understood the Eucharist, we would die with joy. Yeah. I don't know if that's Thomas Aquinas. He, he said a lot of good things, so I'm going to give him <laughs> this one too. Um, but yeah, safe. if we really, and Archbishop Chapu at a Mass we were at said like, we, I forget if we said we're all liars or we're all hypocrites because we don't, like, if we really believed what's going on here at Mass, we would live our lives so differently. Right. Um, meaning that we should more fully live that out. He wasn't just calling us liars. <laughs> he's, he's a very nice man. <laughs> he, he's like the nicest. But he says what needs to be said sometimes. He does. I mean, yeah. he speaks truth. He does. He does his job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, Definitely, like, our experience of, like, learning more about the Mass helped, like, instilled the desire to seek out a parish that really celebrates the Mass well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, we had a couple, we've had a couple of experiences where it's, we weren't able to really feel that, or to enter into the Mass fully. Right. Because of... There could, there could be some things that, like, may distract from form of mass or that um they could like cut corners mm-hmm. that's like the worst yeah there was one parish where they would um each week substitute the common psalm instead of the one in the lectionary so it would just be like psalm 23 every week every single week and Which it was like... and it's i mean that's illicit like you can substitute a psalm but it's supposed to be you know used sparingly or for like a specific purpose not because they only practiced they that yeah. one this week or something like that but so, like the the church in her wisdom has chosen a different responsible responsible the nonmillennialists responsorial yes um each week that and it speaks to the other meaning mm-hmm. there's a message there and you miss that whenever you just replace it with yeah the stock song mm-hmm. but fortunately thanks be to God, we're at a parish that we really love and that um, the liturgy celebrated well is a focus of theirs, Mm -hmm. that they um, 
really there's just throughout the parish through you know the sacristan the priest the parishioners there's just a love for the eucharist that kind of just uh it's con- is conducted yeah it flows throughout the whole parish mm-hmm. and you can really tell and i remember like i my church or sorry my parish in savannah i really loved because they had a great folk choir which was so cool and the music was so great and i loved to i felt more like i was like worshiping there and so going from that in my early Catholic years to now, like I never would have thought that I would be in a more traditional, I don't know, if, is traditional the right word? Mm, yeah. I don't know. It's not, yeah. It's not tr- a traditionalist. Right, right. But, you know, they sing more um, classical hy- hymns. Mm-hmm. I would never have thought that I would have enjoyed that. But the atmosphere that... Um, is established through a love of the Eucharist and love of the liturgy and love of the Mass. It makes you want to sing the hymns. Mm-hmm. Everyone's singing it together. There's an enthusiasm for it. And to that everyone, like, I don't remember. I don't know how I can say this well. That, like, you just want to join in. Right. Even though it's not something... It's not my it's kind not of music. Not a type of music, like. yeah. So with other music, it's easier for you to want to join in because you have sort of... The music to tap um, a music, yeah, an emotional attachment to the music. Whereas mm-hmm. here, you're kind of finding yourself singing these older hymns because there's just an energy um, and a like faith and a reverence in the parish itself. Right, and I really feel I've. I remember there was a day where I was like singing, like kind of, and uh, wasn't like totally into it. And I was like, wait a second, I'm not singing for me. Mm-hmm. I'm singing this to God, in adoration of Him. Like, you are beautiful. Like, this is for you. And so I started singing louder. And, like, he likes my voice. It's he does. not great. But <laughs> so, he likes it. Someone's got to like it. <laughs> no, I like your voice. Oh, thanks. I always feel bad for the people, like, two to three pews in front of me. Because mm. I have off days. I'll admit <laughs> it. If it's a little earlier in the morning. Uh, um, but, yeah, I just wanted to say that. That, like, even their hymns. I want to join in on because it's like this just big communal mm-hmm. thing that we're all we're all in this to give praise to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, something we both really love about our parish is they offer mass in both the extraordinary form and the ordinary form. Um, and the extraordinary form, if you don't know, is um, according to the 1962 missal before um, the new missal that came out after the Second Vatican Council. So it's in Latin, um, it's a little, it's not super different. I mean, it is markedly different, but like in getting familiar with it, it's like, oh, this isn't totally alien to mm-hmm. what's in the ordinary form. Um, and just to comment on that, we know that um, there's kind of, on both sides, people are suspicious of people who prefer one form to another. So, like, they might be like, oh, those traditionalists, they're so like close minded and. I don't know, like narrow-minded and traditional. For liking the... For liking the, the Latin The Latin. Mass. And then traditionalists would be like, oh, these other people wanted to, like, destroy everything that's good about the church. But from our experience, um, the people who go to Extraordinary Forum are great people, wonderful, faithful people. People who go to prefer the Ordinary Forum are wonderful, faithful people. There's not... I, yeah, I don't think there's any... I don't think there's one that's better than the other. Right. And the... And They're... Pope, and Pope Benedict, who, um, through um, 
one of his, oh, I forget what it's called, he promulgated a document, Samorum Pontificum, that um, basically made it easier to celebrate Mass in the extraordinary form. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he said something along the lines of the church needs to breathe with like both lungs of both forms and that the forms should um, inform one another. Um, and from my experience of, you know, attending Mass in both forms, it really does knowing both of them and having experienced both of them enhances my um, experience yes. in both forms. And I love that they have such similar but such different um, ways of reverence. Mm-hmm. And that you can, um, it's just like a kind of a personal taste or choice, I guess, which way mm-hmm. you prefer to reverence Christ. Um, but of course, like the Latin Mass just is much more solemn. Mm-hmm where um, you can, like, really enter into this, like, solemn reverence for, like, the king is before you, where in, of course, you still have that in the uh, ordinary, form. ordinary form, but it's just in a different, it's expressed in a different way. Right, and with the extraordinary form, the reverence is built into the rubrics mm-hmm. more, you know, more systematically than with the ordinary form, like, it's, it's like, do this here. You can't whereas deny in, it. Right. Whereas yeah. in the ordinary form, it's there's a little more leeway in what the priest can do. And that can result in some funny stuff going mm-hmm. on. But at, at our parish, the ordinary form is celebrated extremely reverentially. And mm-hmm. it's it's awesome. And I think mm-hmm. that's sort of the way that, you know, having priests who know the other form are able to bring that reverence to the ordinary mm-hmm. form. And it's, I think, really makes it better. I think it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so if you've never been to Mass in the Extraordinary Form, I think it's really great to go, to experience it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we usually go to the Ordinary Form, so we're not traditionalists by, by any means. Yeah, I will say that I prefer the Ordinary Form, mm-hmm. for sure. I have no idea what's going on with the Latin Mass. <laughs> I pretty much just treat it as a holy hour. Um, I just learned that from a friend to say, or like how to properly enter into it since I have no idea what's going on. Um, But I do enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But I definitely do prefer the ordinary. But I do see utter beauty Mm -hmm. in the extraordinary form. So I do think that it is definitely worth seeing. And it will inform your ordinary form experience. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I had my choice of things, I would um, go to daily mass in the extraordinary form, in low mass, which is everything is said and not sung by the priest. And it's just... Early in the morning, it's really beautiful. There's a lot of silence. There's just like a lot of you. It's I feel like you're kind of like getting up, and this priest is offering a sacrifice to mass, and you're kind of sitting in on it. Mm. Which for me in the mornings, that really helps me start the day <laughs> off right. You don't have to do anything. You, yeah, well, you don't have to. You can pray. You yes. can just pray, yes. and that's really. Um, sometimes you're not able to to do that mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's it. So again. <laughs> One's not better than the other. I think it would benefit mm-hmm. all Catholics to know both forms. Um, mm-hmm. But um, one thing that I really love about our parish is um, the fact that the priests often chant the prayers, mm-hmm. which I think is really beautiful because, uh, you know, our liturgy stems from um, Jewish liturgy. And in, um, like, the Jewish temple service, there's a lot of singing, especially the psalms. Like, the, I've heard the psalms are meant to be sung, and that's how you're supposed to experience them. 
Um, and then we do sing our responsorial psalms, but just um, the singing of the prayers, I think it's just on a very basic level, it makes you listen to them differently. Mm-hmm. Because you actually, fun fact, the part of your brain that processes like music, singing, is different from the part that processes speech. Or maybe not processes, but like, yeah, I'll go ahead and say that. Correct, neuroscientists, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but like speaking and singing are registered as different things in your brain. Um, so you really experience these prayers in a new way when they're sung. I really appreciate it because I, I can, I, I think I've mentioned this before. I love Christ the King right mm-hmm. now. I just like love reflecting on what that means for us, especially during the mass and like that Christ the King is before us. And so, like, all the angels and saints are singing to Mm -hmm. him. And so when the priest is singing, it's, like, just joining in on this, like, chorus of people Mm -hmm. praising him. So I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. I used to think it was entirely boring. And, like, why is he speaking so long? Like, (laughs) (laughs) added, like, four extra syllables to this word. Um, But now, like, looking at at it in the true sense of what is going on in, in in eternal sense mm-hmm. is really beautiful and i think pope benedict said that um like angelic speech would sound like singing to us mm-hmm. like just it's on oh, it's gonna say like it's like the elves from lord of the rings or like oh, their speech is just like very elegant and like almost like a song to hear it yeah we're gonna do our next podcast in elvish no we are not you're we, not you don't know elvish all right dwarvish Oh my gosh, stop <laughs> nerding out. Um, yeah, but I really love the, the chanting and singing um, mm-hmm. in our parish. Another thing that I really love about our parish is that for communion, we kneel at the altar rail, mm-hmm. and that has really um, enhanced my experience of receiving communion, because it's just, it's really easy in that position to enter into, like, kneeling at the foot of the cross, and, like, while I'm waiting, I, like, look up at the altar where the sacrifice has taken place. And then, like, above that, and this, there's stained glass behind our altar of the crucifixion. And it's just, it just helps you to, like, to, like, this is where you really are. Like, mm-hmm. you're not in a building somewhere in Philadelphia. You're kneeling at the foot of the cross, receiving the body of Christ, which was just crucified for you. And it's just, it's super powerful for me. I so just I really wanted to love. start crying. <laughs> that is crazy. Um, and you kneel with the other people who are who are in church with you, and it's just, I don't know, I really love it. It's really, really great. And I, to get my mindset more properly in order to um, receive the Eucharist, I have started to, it's very strange. I The Eucharist is strange. <laughs> it is. If you really <laughs> sit and think about it, it's pretty strange. Well, I've been imagining, like, as if, like, the dead Christ is on the altar right there and that Mm. the priests are just going and like scooping pieces of him and giving it to us which is like morbid and disgusting but that is what the Eucharist is yeah that's what the church is all about you know morbid yeah completely but it's really made me like completely take it as like Mm -hmm. this is a dead person well an alive person right within us but yeah yeah I've been lately at mass trying to envision or just getting this image in my head of, like, Christ's throne in heaven. I think it's one of the prayers during Mass is, um, just saying, like, take it to your altar on high, or something about, like, the Son sitting at the right hand of the Father and, like, imagining Christ's throne. 
I'm like, it would be an altar. It would be a sacrificial table. That's his throne. And so I was imagining, like, it being, like, built into an altar and, like, him sitting there with, like, the blood coming out of his hands on the chair, on the arms. Mm. And that's who our king is, which is crazy, but it's just awesome. It's just so beautiful. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have to, like, take a second, but (laughs) can Um, keep moving. It's fine. But I have another point. Did you want to – I saw you scribbling down something. No, it's fine. Okay. Well, maybe (laughs) – sorry. (laughs) But another thing that I really love about our parish is that um, the the priests use beautiful vestments. And Mm -hmm. and I I know that's, like, a sticking point for a lot of people. Like, why are these men up there – wearing these, like, fancy clothes with, like, gold embroidery and that kind of thing. But um, I just, I don't know, maybe I have a different mindset, but, like, that that's for us. He's wearing that so we get to see it while he celebrates the Mass. And I just, re- like, I, it's beautiful, so I enjoy looking at it. Right. Because um, beauty leads us to Christ. Yeah. It leads us to, like, truth, like, beauty, truth, and goodness, like we mentioned a ton of times last time. Um, those are just how we come to know God from like a natural way so um, and everything the the parish has is ours like it's not like we don't get to go up there and take the chalice and use it but like that's for <laughs> our benefit like that's the parish you know mm-hmm. I think people kind of get hung up on that but like anyone can come to mass we're not like selling tickets at the door or like checking like anyone is free to come here mm-hmm. and like look upon this beautiful experience and partake i mean to you have to be catholic to receive communion but like these things aren't hidden away in you know the the sacristy somewhere like these mm-hmm. are for us they're brought out for us to celebrate mass with can you help me verbalize i don't know this is a tall order <laughs> to clarify that like at the beginning i said that my understanding of church was like something for me mm-hmm. but then you were just talking about all those things that are for us but it serves a different good Right, because it's those things um, help us to celebrate the sacrifice of the Mass in a beautiful way, which draws us in closer to it. So how would that not be the same? Because if, like, if Mass were about us, it would be um, sort of like about what we wanted. So we would, I don't know, it's hard, I no, hear, no, I hear no. what you're saying. I can but, go where you're going. Okay. Uh, because if we... If the mass was everything that we would want, like we are sinful people, mm-hmm. and it would be just kibosh. Like it would, yeah. You know, you can never fit what everybody wants, and it's not. It can't fit for everybody. If we go with what we want, but. It is. It is from God, mm-hmm. and for God. Right. And so the things, that make the Lord happy, in the in it of of themselves make us happy because they are of the Lord. Right. And so those things are for us because they are of the Lord instead of working like with our humanity and mm-hmm. saying like, oh, you need to be stimulated and you need to be, you, your attention needs to be kept mm-hmm. and like those kinds of things and like catering towards those can lead to like, you know, a lot of things that are distracting to what Christ actually is. Right. And here it's coming from the Lord instead of from us. Mm-hmm. There. There you go. Put a bow on it. We just made air bows. We did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah. Um, but something I want to touch on briefly is how our mass experience has changed since having a baby. Um, if, a anyone, lot. if anyone is a child of a, I mean, everyone, everyone's a child of someone, a child, of <laughs> if anyone is a parent of a small child understands that, um, your, your prayer life, your experience at mass changes drastically when you have a kid who's doing their best to jump out of your arms and crawl or run down the aisle. Yeah. Um, so for something I've noticed is that I used to really like long, thorough homilies. Not that I, I don't enjoy like a length, not lengthy is a bad word, but like, a, you know, a good full. substantial full homily. Um, but I really enjoy homilies that have like easy to understand points that I can, or just like one little thing I can take with me. I love it when they have an obvious thesis. Yes. Figuring out the thesis and like yeah. where it's going from there. Right. Because I'm like, okay, that's what I got. Right. But again, it's not about us. So we can take what we what we get from it. And it's still, they're still the Eucharist. Right. Um, and something else that is different for me is a lot of times if Jack's fussy, I'll take him in the back to the narthex. Is that what it is back there? Yes. The transept is up front and the yeah. narthex is in back. Um, and back there, um, like kneeling during the consecration, like there's no kneeler. So just like kneeling on the marble, marble floor, it just adds a dimension to it. Like, not that you shouldn't use kneelers, but, kneeling on the ground like again helps you to like go into the mindset of like kneeling at calvary on um you know the rocks that were there because mm -hmm. it was actually a quarry great you know great fact <laughs> <laughs> but that just helps me to enter into that more mm -hmm. um and then also i've come to realize that one of my favorite things about mass is sort of the my prayer after communion. Because mm -hmm. um, I'll usually, if Jack's being fuzzy, I'll stay in the back and then go up for communion um, and then walk him back to the back. And for whatever reason, I guess it's the walking around calls him, calms him down. So I'm able to like, just like hold him close and pray like with him and for him. And that's been like really transformative. Um, and something that I didn't um, really dive into fully before we had Jack. Like it was sort of like after communion, just kind of like, rest in it and pray a little bit but now I'm really like I don't know my post-communion prayer has been really enhanced by being able to like hold on to to Jack and pray with him and same for me um my post-communion prayer is probably the highlight of I mean obviously the Eucharist is the highlight of every mass mm -hmm. but the post-communion prayer is the most at other, other at all the other times this that's my favorite um probably because you have Jack in the yeah. back <laughs> So I can finally have a little bit of, like, prayerful time. Mm -hmm. um, and I get to really reflect on, like, how can I be more like you, Christ? And how can I reflect you more? And how can receiving you transform me more fully into you? Mm -hmm. um, and opening myself up to him to, to speak to me. And it, because I never, it's just really hard to find quiet to let him speak to me. Right. Uh, especially with Jack. And so I get to have that, that time for mm -hmm. him to speak to me, which is yeah. really beautiful. You said the word beautiful a lot, but the mass the is mass beautiful. The mass is beautiful, so there you go. So I can't even a, help myself. We need a thesaurus next time. Nah. Um, but yeah, and let's end with um, a quote that I didn't look up, so I don't know who it was from. Great. It's either from John Paul II or from like Lumen Gentium, one of the Second Vatican Council documents, but it says that you, uh, the Eucharist is the source and summit of Christian life. And I really... Um, I think that's just such a beautiful thing to keep in mind because 
it implies a going out and returning like it's like cyclical like it's our source is what sends us out to the world to bring christ to the world but it's also the summit so it's what we're bringing back to or being brought back being brought back into so it's like the highest thing but it also sends us out and then we come back and it's just kind of a continuous cycle of grace and it's um it helps me to remember that like what we do at mass is supposed to be carried out to the world like Mm -hmm. that's where we go and we receive the food we need to to go out you know for another day to share christ's love and to live out the gospel um commandment of you know loving god and loving others yeah it's our sustenance it is it is our super substantial bread (laughs) super substantial that's what the latin is for um daily bread yeah. in the creed i think it's super substantialis oh that's funny yeah and it and it's like a bread that is both for today and forever for, yeah so it's like a weird wow. word to try to explain it yeah um i love that but yeah so go out and if you have that mindset you know it doesn't not that it doesn't matter but like you can go to a mass where you really you're not paying attention you don't get anything out of it or something's funny with it but knowing that you receive the body of Christ and that it's then your turn to go out and bring Christ to the world helps you to um, really just bring it back home. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about Christ. It is. Mm. Yeah. So that's all we have. And we, we apologize. We realized after posting our previous episode that it was a little long. A little long. It was over, over an hour. Over an hour. Um, and our goal is to try to... 40 to 50 minutes, maybe a little less than that. So we apologize for anyone who... Mm-hmm. That is not where we are going. We are not making this not a to. long podcast. We're trying not to. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we end, I do want to s- say thank you to... We got um, some feedback on our podcast on marriage as vocation mm-hmm. um, from Carl in Colorado. Carl from Colorado. Um, and he just said he, he thanked us for um, sharing that podcast and that... Um, he wanted to share with us that some an analogy that he's found really expresses um, the like unity and indissolubility of marriage, or um, just the comparison the, of the, it. You're right, the idea of for a lot of people in our world can't really wrap their heads around the idea of like a strong bond that cannot be severed. And he said he um, relies on the mother-child bond or the parent-child bond, and how like that's something that's universally recognized um, as you know, you can't break that. Like, that is just something right. that exists and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, um, if your baby's in a coma. Right. He's still your baby. That's kind of like a phrase, like, he will always be my baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's when we get married as Catholics, that's what we're saying. Like, you will always be my wife. And it's that kind of bond that that we enter into. Um, so thank you, Carl, Carl for, um, for listening and for pointing that out. That we really appreciate. And thank you for just letting us for interacting with us we really love that that was really great um and he's been married for 37 years is that what he said so we're just blown away that um you're even listening that you're listening to us and we really appreciate um you saying thank you for this because that means a lot from us um we're going into year five here so we got a little ways to catch up Mm -hmm. um and also mac baron from Mm -hmm. catherine a small town we know we're young it's okay. It's all right. We'll get we'll get old eventually. We know it's going to be really hard. We have a bunch of kids, so just bear with us and our naive naivety. Figuring it out. Figuring it out. But um, but thank you, Mac, <laughs> for um, 
mentioning for listening. For listening. Um, yeah, and if you haven't listened to Catholic in a Small Town, it's another podcast that we really love and have really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so thanks for thanks everyone for listening. Mm-hmm. Um, f- send us some feedback. You can email us at um, Holly just gave me finger guns, <laughs> so I'm ready to go. <laughs> um, at uh, Halfway Saints Podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Halfway underscore Saints. And like, like us, us on, on Facebook. Facebook. Rate us on iTunes. Yeah. Yell at us. Text us if you have our numbers. <laughs> um, but again, thank you to all of you for listening and know that um, you're in our prayers yes. and we love you. Yep. Have a great week, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.